0: All right. At this time, the kids can head out to children's church. You have your lesson waiting for you. So here this year, we are looking at um, the concept of Christians as superheroes. And really, uh, it's not something that's contrived. It's not something that. Uh, it's not something we're trying to make the scriptures. Fit the topic, it's actually that the topic fits the scriptures. And so, as we have been talking, if you and I are transformed by the Holy Spirit, if we are changed into uh, something different, if we have been given spiritual gifts that we did not have before to go out and change the world, then you and I become, by definition, superheroes, supernaturally empowered human beings sent with the task. Of making a difference around us. Two weeks ago, we began by talking about the uh, uh, getting into the mind of the hero. We talked about the guiding principles. We talked about doing unto others, doing justice, giving mercy, and walking humbly. Uh, that that are the guiding principles. Last week, though, we talked about this. We talked about uh, trauma. Uh, I'm sorry, tragedy, trauma, and triumph. And that all of us, we all experience tragedies in our lives, things that happen to us, maybe because of of the consequences to our own actions or the actions of others. But things happen to us. We lose loved ones. We get ill. uh, Things befall us. Trauma is the injury that comes because of those tragedies. So we uh, carry guilt because of bad decisions or we carry anger because of what other people have done to us. And all of us have that, the hero, the villain, all of us. The difference between the hero and the villain in their mind, though, is that the hero determines to triumph. He will not be uh, defined by the trauma. That has happened to him, but instead he will overcome. And we said that the way you triumph is by holding to a better idea, believing in something that is better than the way the world is. Uh, That we stand up and we fight the enemy. We're not going to allow him to use us uh, to be injured or to injure others who are around us, and we are going to find joy in faithfulness. Not in in the results of that faithfulness. So it is a... If God calls me to teach, it isn't, my joy is not in that people respond to the teaching. My joy is in the fact that He gave me the call and the ability to do so, and that's all I'm interested in. The results don't matter. If you're called to give, you give. If you're called to serve, you serve. Whatever it is, you just do it and you find joy in it because He's empowered you to do so. Well, as we delve deeper into the mind of this hero, the, the minds of all the heroes, there are, there's another phenomenon that we see that they all have in common, all of them, and that is they have a new identity. They have a new idea. You know, here's what's funny. Uh, as I'm as I'm putting these things together, I just realized. You know, it almost sounds like I'm trying to take the scriptures and make them match uh, superhero stories. But really, what I'm realizing is is that the superhero stories are all stealing from the scripture. That is what is taking place. So you take a uh, any of the superheroes you have. Um, uh, You have Peter Parker, who uh, uh, he's an innocent teenage boy, but then he dons on the Spider-Man costume, takes on the new name, the bright colors, uses his abilities, and so he has an alternate identity. To who he was before and who he continues to present himself to be. Same thing with Batman. You have Bruce Wayne, uh, uh, the uh, phil- philandering philanthropist, however you want to want to do it. But at night he dons on the 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 cloak and the cowl and the cape, and he becomes uh, Batman. I can still remember watching the nineteen nineties uh, Batman with Michael Keaton. I was in the theater. I hadn't ever seen it in the and, and at the very beginning, right? The, he gets the bad guy and he pulls him into his face, and the guy goes, "Who are you?" And he says, I'm Batman. And we all I mean, I mean, I mean we all know that phrase, I'm Batman. What is that? He didn't go, I'm Bruce Wayne, dressed as a bat. No. Why? Because he's operating in a new identity. In a different identity. So you and I, as we, as we are looking at this, well, okay, then, then there's Clark Kent. Now, this one I, I never enjoyed, okay? Not that I have anything against Christopher Reeves. I enjoy Christopher Reeves. But I never understood, I don't have him up here. I, don't, I never understood, glasses on, I'm Clark Kent. Glasses off, and I'm Superman. I think you might be able to figure that one out. But he had Clark Kent by day. Then he would take off his glasses. He'd jump in a phone booth, change his clothes, and then he'd go. Now he's Superman. Different identities. Who they were before, who they are, as the superhero. So, with this identity, some of the things we see: what do they? They they take a new name, right? Uh, they go out and uh, they change how they dress. I don't know why bright tights. Apparently, doing good means that you're going to dress fancy. They change how they speak, how they operate. In in so many ways, they. They change so much that over time, the old, and this is part of the storylines of all of them, over time, they cease being the old self. There isn't time. And they become consumed with the new identity. Isn't it interesting how this concept of a new identity consuming us, changing us, falls right into exactly who we are as Christians, right? And so it just makes sense. If we're called to be heroes, not just heroes, superheroes, then we also have a new identity. For you and I, we take on the name, you know, uh, Peter Parker takes Spider-Man, Batman takes Batman, and, and uh, Clark Kent takes Superman. For us, I'm no longer Nathan. In, in, in all reality, what I am eternally now is Christian. I am of Christ. That's who I am. That is my identity. I'm not Caucasian. I'm not male. I'm not American. For goodness sake, I'm probably not even human anymore. I'm, I'm something different. And so are you. There is a new identity that we are supposed to become and become consumed by. So we're going to look at what it is that comprises your new identity. Now, in a lot of sermons, uh, when they talk about your identity in Christ... handout. And I've done it before. There's like handouts. It's like two, three, four pages of single space scriptures of God's promises, of of God declaring over you what it is that you are. Right? You are chosen. You are holy. You are a royal priesthood. Right? You are uh, 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 dearly loved. You're a child of God. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are judges of the angels. I mean, over and over and over and over again. The scriptures uh, tell us who we are and how we should identify ourselves. And we should understand our role in this new identity. I'm not doing That. What I want to get to is the substance of this new identity. What it is. The first thing that your new identity is comprised of is this you are a spiritual being. Now, that may sound obvious unless you actually start playing out what that means okay well we know that, that, that we are alive in the spirit right Christ was raised by the power of spirit we know that the spirit the Holy Spirit comes inside of us he fills us he changes us uh, uh, we're, we're empowered by him I mean lots of things happening but no no I want you to understand this morning foundationally foundationally transformationally you are a spiritual. You are a new creature. You are something that did not exist when that body you are inhabiting came out of your mother. That creature is something entirely different than what you are now. So Jesus says this, okay, in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who's a teacher of the law. And Jesus says, truly, truly, now, Whenever you have words that are repeated, that means he's saying, seriously, I really mean this. When he says, truly, truly, verily, verily, he's saying, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second? Oh, man, he's being a smart mouth here, isn't he? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, seriously, dude, I say to you, unless one is born of water, that is being born into this existence, the water breaks and you come into this world, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot. Enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's what you were, right? I was born of the flesh and I was flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, what I am now as a Christian who has been saved, I'm something. Completely different. You become a spiritual being when you come to Christ. And that spiritual being is placed within this dead flesh. So, you know, over and over, Paul talks about uh, my favorite one, right, Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ, therefore it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That when I came to him, I died. I stopped existing. This flesh that I was is no more. What I am now is this re born, recreated this new creature, new man, whatever you, however the scriptures call it, in all the different places, a new creation that is placed and housed inside of this dead tent that used to be who I was. And so I walk and move through this flesh, but it is not who I am any longer. So the question then becomes, do we accept the old with the new? Right? Which am I? I mean, I I came to Christ and I'm still in this body. But it's no longer who I am. And in fact, I have to completely let it go. It, it, it is not supposed to have any sway in me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Paul says, that is not the way that you learned Christ, this concept of, of living in the flesh and the spirit together, that, that you're both. He says, that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, And is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the flesh? No. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So this new creature that you are is separate but contained within this body as long as we live it. Here's the great thing about this body, and I'm, I'm kind of glad because mine's starting to get achy and not doing what it used to do, okay? When it's gone, it's gone. I don't have to see it again. If you have in your mindset that this body is the one, you know, it's going to get resurrected and, and you're going to be, and it's going to be, yay, I got a fleshly body again. No. No. Paul says that which is a natural body is raised a Spiritual body, this flesh is gone. This physical existence is gone. There will be a body, there will be a container, but it's going to be one of spirit. Everything in this existence is going to be gone, except spirit. The body is not your life anymore. It still thinks it is, though, right? And it still exerts itself. And we all know because we've all had the arguments with our old self. You're not crazy when you argue with yourself. Because there is a dead self knowing what its destiny is, and it still wants to run the show. But that is not who I am. I am not the desires of this flesh. It is not who I am, and it's not who I will be. And that is key, right, key, understanding that I am a spiritual being. It's key to learning how to live in this life in a proper way. So now I mentioned before, right, I mentioned before uh, as, as, well, I, I didn't mention Um Well, I did. I I mentioned before the the costumes, right? These superheroes, they wear these red and white. Superman's red and white. Spider-Man's red and white. And then Batman's black. They They wear these costumes on them. So as we are talking about you being a superhero, I am not interested in finding any of our men coming in in tight tights next week. Capes or cowls. None of that. You should be changing your dress. A part of your new identity does involve, does involve a costume change. It does involve looking different. And that is because throughout the New Testament, we are told to put on Christ, be clothed with Christ, to hide ourselves in him. When you become a Christian, you are supposed to change how you look. My, my, my goal, the best compliment I ever got, and I, I've, you, some of you hear this stuff all the time. I'm so sorry. Best compliment I ever got was when I was teaching. And, and, and I did a class, and, and it was just oh it was just one of those classes where everything was clicking, and, and, and we're 30 kids, and it was just amazing. And, and I was excited and beaming. I was just so happy. And, and afterwards, um, uh, later that night, I, I got an email from one of the, the students, because I taught 12th grade Bible. Uh, I, I got an email from one of the, the kid's parents telling me that their kid had come home and, and they were going through, oh, he was sharing with us this stuff that you taught, this stuff that you taught. But here's the line. It's still, to the world, it, it, I have two compliments. This is one of them. And they said, my son looked at me and said that when he looked at you, he saw Jesus. I broke, and I started crying. Because somewhere in that pure moment, I was gone. Can you, I don't know, I mean, I I get chills. Can you imagine a moment where you are just gone, and all there is left is Christ? Greatest compliment of my life. Galatians 3, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We've changed our clothes. Now there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When I die to self, I cease to be the foundational things that I once thought I was. I only knew how to express myself in the sense of, of my experiences, the nation I was born into, the gender I was born into, and our world. See, here's the thing, our world is so trapped, they're trapped in identity, right? Everyone is talking about their different identities, their, their ethnic identities and their and their and their gender identities, and all of these identities. And you know what? I'm not gonna argue with any of them because all they're trying to do in their heart is try to figure out who they are and, and, and they can only understand the flesh they are stuck in the flesh trying to define themselves I'm I'm, I'm this desire I'm I'm, I'm this color I'm, I'm from I speak this language they're just trying desperately to define themselves and the call of Christ is you know what I'm letting it all go I'm not American I'm not male I'm not Caucasian I'm not nearsighted or far sighted. I'm not an English I'm a Christian. I am Jesus Christ. And that's all I'm worried about. I don't have to worry. All that matters is my spiritual identity. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Here's the good news, because when I want to be like Jesus, but as I mentioned, that was the greatest compliment I ever got. That's because I don't hear that often. You know what I'm saying? Right? It's not like I walk around and people are like, oh, my goodness, there's Jesus all the time. That doesn't happen. Most of the time, I probably get what most of us get, right, which is, really, you're a Christian? But well, Paul wants us to know that God understands, Paul understands that though we are still in this flesh and this flesh grabs a hold of us sometimes, we are trying to live in this new identity. So here's what he says. He says, we all with unveiled faces. We who are now able to stand in the presence of God and actually see him and experience him because we've been recreated spiritual beings. He says we behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed, being transformed. We are in the process into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So here's the great news. If you only have a little bit of glory as a Christian today, if you stand in the presence of God and you allow His radiance to fall upon you, if you spend time in His Word and in prayer and in meditation, if you spend time with Him, you will increase in your glory. You will increase in your Christ-likeness. The goal, God's goal is, he doesn't, he is not interested. Listen, he is not interested if you've got a little or a lot today. He's not interested. He's interested in how much you're going to grow today. That's it. That's what he's focused on. Where you are, meaningless. Where you're going, that's all he's interested in. How do we get there? So even though we are not perfectly representing him today, Paul says, and, and this is the identity, right? I come to him. Because, because I want to be like, I want to be like Jesus. That's all, it's all I want. And and my flesh distracts me sometimes. But when I remember who I am, then that's all I want. That's all I go after. And everything else melts away. Our names don't matter. Our jobs don't matter. Our illnesses don't matter. None of it matters. His image. The same image. His image is our identity. All right, now listen. So, so far, you are a recreated, not recreated, you are a created, brand new, out of nothing, spiritual being that did not previously exist. That is what you are if you are a Christian. That has been placed back inside of this flesh. So internally, internally. We are powered and recreated by the Holy Spirit of God. On the outside, we have put on our Jesus costume. It sounds a little weird, but that's really, it sounds kind of creepy, like Silence of the Lamish or something. But we we put on our Jesus skin. On our outside, we are Christ. On our inside, we are the Holy Spirit. If the substance of who we are encompasses the person of God both out and within, then a part of I, we would be remiss to not deal with the fact that we are called to a very high quality of character. If it is the spirit within me, And Christ without me? Then everything I do represents him. Everything I say is seen as his words. That's why we're told, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. Man, I was in college, right? I'm studying Bible, and I'm so excited because it it was the early 90s. I don't know when these came out, but I just found them. I I, I just ended up going to uh, one of the... Christian bookstores, which was kind of a new thing for me at the time. And uh, I had my car, went out, and, and, and went in and, and, and saw the little silver Jesus fish, the Ichthus. I was so excited. I, I saw one of those. I never knew where you got them. And, and so I went and got it. Didn't know it took paint off, by the way. It takes the paint off the, the surface of the car. So anyway, I, I, I go and I get it, and, I, and I'm so excited. I'm so proud, right? I'm going to, I'm Christian, you know, because the identity thing. I'm all into that. I, wanna, I want everyone to know it. I mean, if if I can't talk to you and tell you, my car is going to tell you for me, okay? Here's the problem. Like many of us, I get impatient in the car. I've gotten a lot better, right? Thank you. Thank you. But at that time, I suddenly became... Uh, There was a weight when I drove at that point. Because I, I i mean, I was ready to come up next to someone and blast them because they cut me off. And I'm like, yeah, oh, Jesus fish. Someone's going slow. I'm going to ride up on their butt. Oh, I can't do that. They'll see the Jesus fish when I pass them. Oh. Right? Right? Because when I identified myself with him, I recognized that my behavior was either, I mean, it was going to be attributed to him. Right? I, no one thought Jesus was driving my car, no matter what Carrie Underwood says, okay. No one thought Jesus had the wheel. But by putting that on my car, I was making a claim that he was in me. Paul talks about that. I, I, I should have put it in here, but he looks and he says, Chris, he's talking about sexual morality among the among the among the believers. And he, he says, He says, really? Are you going to go and unite your body with a prostitute? Do you not realize that in doing so, you are uniting the Lord with that prostitute? You're not of the flesh anymore. But when we... He came and pulled us out of the flesh. And if we go back in the flesh, church, listen up. You take him with you into that sin. That's why Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't unite him with sin. The quality of our character matters. Character, you know, they'll say, character is what you do when no one's looking. That may be true. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to go. I I think it's even broader than that. It's what you do when there are no consequences. It's what you do when there's no consequences. If it's not wrong to steal, I mean, it's just not even wrong. There's not even a law. Do I go steal? I can't be punished for it. No one will even look negatively at me if I do it. They might even think, hey, good job. That was a sneaky one. When there are no consequences for your actions, do you do what's right? See, most of us, it's, we know that when people aren't looking, they can still find out the things we've been doing. So if I'm doing something illegal and someone isn't seeing that, no, no, no. What if it's perfectly okay with everybody that I participate in it? Am I going to? If there are no consequences, that's character. What will you do? Who are you when there's no negative repercussions for your choices? Paul says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not the result of works, so that no man may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Why were you saved? Salvation is a work of God, right? He begins this by saying, your salvation isn't yours. It's God's work inside of you. You didn't do anything to make this happen. It's because God is doing something in you. You are allowing him to do it. And he says that work is to do the good deeds that he had planned before you were ever born. And to do them. That's... Why you were saved. Because God saw something better in us than we were. Had a better plan, a better idea for our lives. Now so many of us, here's a lie. I've heard it in the church, I've heard it outside the church. There's nothing I can do even as a Christian to not sin. That's a lie. Do you know why? Because every time it says that we were flawed, that we fail, that we couldn't do it, he was talking about the fleshly me that was born 46 and a half years ago. That poor pitiful little child had no chance. He, he was no match for the enemy. He was going to lose. And he was going to be condemned. There was no hope. So what was God's answer? This is, this is where we miss it with Christianity. God's answer is, Nathan, you, you, you're rather pathetic. So here's my plan. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. We're just going to get rid of this, this fleshly nonsense. It's weak. It's, it's worthless. I mean, it's just going to get burned up in the fire. I'm, I'm going to get, but, 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 but if you let me, Nathan, if you let me kill this, if you let me destroy it, I'm going to refashion you in the spirit, and I'm going to give you the power that you don't have now. I'm going to give you the authority to stand against the enemy. You don't have that now. I'm going to give you the authority to stand against sin. You don't have that now. I'm going to give you the name of Jesus by which you now have access to the heavens. You don't have that right now. I'm going to place my power in you and give you sonship. You don't have that now. And I looked at him, and I said, crucify me. When you came to Christ, that's what you did. You came and you said, crucify me. And you were remade. You are a spiritual being. You are not a fleshly being. And anyone that tells you that you is a son of God, a daughter of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, recreated in the righteousness and holiness of God himself, anyone that tells you that that recreated person, that recreated creature, is anything less than perfect, is lying. And you have the authority now. You can stand against the enemy. You can turn away from sin. You can deny the passions of the flesh. You can deny your old self. You can do what's right. The things you couldn't do before, you can do now. Don't buy the lie that you can't. You are his workmanship. He destroyed the old and remade you into something that can do all of the things he wanted done. So in 1 John 2, 4 to 6, John, the apostle of love near the end of his life, says this. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep. His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. So here we go this morning. Am I? Is this my identity? Is this who I am? Right? How do I know that I am in him, he is in me? Here it is. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I love the word abide. What did Jesus say? If, it's an if-then statement, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. It's interesting. It's interesting. Now I want to connect those first two things that we had with the word abide And maybe this is meaningless. I thought it was kind of cool. God says that he will abide in me. That is that recreated Holy Spirit and power, that light, that treasure in this jar of clay. That's what he's placed within me, right? This new existence in this flesh, that is God abiding in me. But me clothing myself with Christ, my enveloping myself in him, that is me abiding in him. If I will abide in him, he will abide in me. If he is abiding in me, I'm going to abide in him. Him in me and me in him. That's our identity. The spirit of God within. The nature of Christ without. If we are a changed creature, we will walk as he walked. It wouldn't be right to just talk about the spiritual, the abiding of God in us, the the clothing ourselves with Christ, the abiding in him, if we did not talk about that it requires by nature this call to a higher quality of character, a higher standard. I want to read one passage, and then I'm going to end with this. The band can come on up if they want. As you look at these three things, maybe you're going, man, you're really really tossing together some wild scripture here. All three of these right here, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put these away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Do you see your new identity right there, all of it? If you haven't accepted that yet, you can this morning. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation. And if you have any need whatsoever, let us just, we do not judge the flesh here. We encourage and strengthen the spirit. Come, let us pray with you if you have any need.